Um, the reading for today is Matthew 6, and it's verses 5 to 18, and it's page 970 in the Church Bibles. Um, Phil kindly printed this out for me because I like it big. I mean, I know I'm getting on a bit, but this is a bit over the top. So it's page 970. And when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father, who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. When you fast, do not look sombre as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Thirteen weeks ago, Sunday the 9th of October, we started two things at Christ Church. Firstly, we started a series on the Lord's Prayer. And secondly, we introduced our focus for the next half year, the three circles, which I'll say a little bit more about in a moment. Now, if you were here, you may well remember. In fact, you definitely will remember. We had just said goodbye to Gareth Lewis, the previous senior minister, who with his wife, Scylla, had faithfully loved and served this church and the town for 30 years. 30 years. What were you doing 30 years ago? Gareth Lewis was starting out on his ministry here. And we had said goodbye to him and to Scylla with tears and with rejoicing. And it was a transitional time for us as well as for them. A big moment in the life of our church. Well, that was then, back in October, and this is now. I think of today's sermon as a waypoint. A moment where we just gather together and think, where have we come from recently and where are we going? Reminding ourselves what we've covered and starting to anticipate what we're going to look at in the future. Getting ready for it. So this is a bit of a waypoint sermon. And that means if you're a guest or a visitor, uh, this isn't a typical sermon that we might have at Christchurch. You're still really welcome here. We're glad that you're here. And I pray that there will be much to bless you as you listen to God's word along with us. And of course, if you're visiting with maybe a view to settling here, maybe you'll see that you want to join with us where we're going in our relationship with God, where we want to be going in our relationship with him. 
and you'd be most welcome to do that. Before we go on, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this prayer that our Lord Jesus gave us. And we pray that as we reflect on it, both for the past and also for the future, you might teach us, that you might grow us, you might uh, embed it more deeply in our hearts, that we would rejoice and live for you all the more. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let, I mentioned the three circles. Let, um, we're going to re recap it briefly. There's going to be a diagram up on the screen, please. Is that there? There we are, thank you. All right, well, there are three circles starting from the bottom. Uh, I'll go through them briefly first, one, two, three. Uh, firstly, our Father and me. Uh, that's talking about our individual relationship with God. Then secondly, our Father's family. And then thirdly, our Father's world. Uh, and we, as it were, are always in the first circle, but we're expanding our focus each time. We just started out thinking about, well, how am I with God? Uh, so let me just go through them then a little bit more slowly. Uh, circle one, my father and me. I know the grammar, probably my father and I is, uh, is better, but it's just sound a bit pretentious. So my father and me, hope you don't mind. Uh, our individual relationship with God, especially in prayer, that's what we were thinking about. Thinking through the Lord's Prayer. That was term one. Uh, one thing I, I'm certainly much worse at than Gareth Lewis was is diary planning. Dates don't work very well in my mind. Uh, and a recent change in prayer meeting dates, that's my fault, by the way. I'm really sorry about that. That's uh, my fault alone. And I'm sorry if I've caused anyone issues for uh, trying to now rejig uh, your, your planning. I say that here because we were originally talking about these three circles taking six months in total. Um, but I hadn't probably appreciated the correct speed of travel as we went through it, but also the way we'd have to structure Christmas and Easter in the run-up. Uh, so that means the three circles are going to take more like nine months overall uh, with breaks for uh, those festivals. Uh, but that means we're now moving on to the second circle at the start of January. Uh, and that second circle is our father's family, our relationship with one another. Now, it's important to remember that we're not forgetting circle one as we move on to circle two. It's not that... Right, I can forget about God, my Father, I can just start thinking about the people I'm with. No, it's as a, a person in relationship with a Heavenly Father, I'm now in relationship with all these people too. Because that is the main link of our relationship. We, we have a Heavenly Father. How does the prayer start that Jesus tells us in verse 9? My Father in heaven? No, our. Our Father in heaven. That's the main link of our relationship. We, as Christians, are in the same spiritual family. And in circle two, we're going to start that by looking at the early church in the book of Acts. How do they relate to each other as part of God's family? Uh, then, after Easter, we're going to come on to the third circle. Our relationship with our Father's world. That's Harpenden and beyond. And again, we're not going to forget circle one or circle two. Because we are going to go as individuals to our town and think about, well, where do I go in Harpenden? Where do I go in the world? Where might I go in the future? But we're also going to be thinking, how might those people have a relationship with this church family? How might we bring an individual into this? That they might not meet only us, but others too. And we're going to seek to be a blessing further afield, not just to Harpenden, but to the world we pray. Through prayer, through financial support, through short-term mission trips and also, we trust sending people out in time. So those are the three circles. If you've never seen that before, don't worry. You just get a bit of a gist of it. Uh, but hopefully for some of us, that is uh, more of a recap. And we are, as it were, at the waypoint just between uh, the first circle moving into the second. That's what we're doing today. Uh, let me just give you a moment to reflect, actually, because if that's just a bit of information, don't, might just 
like a moment to catch up. Or maybe if you've been here and you think, actually, wh how, how did that go? Just, uh, what do I want to be praying as I move on? Let me just give you a moment to reflect, and then that will go down and uh, we can carry on. There's a moment of silence for you to reflect and pray. All right, thank you very much. I can go down now, thanks. All right, where are we going in today's Waypoint Sermon? We're referring back to the Lord's Prayer. I hope you've got it open in front of you, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, that's what we've been preaching through in our series and also looking at in our home groups. And today we're going to have three points. Comfort, discomfort, comfort. Comfort, discomfort, comfort. And they're going to build on each other as we go through. Uh, much of this will be pulling out ideas that we've already looked at before. But I hope, again, if you're even just new to it, you'll see where these things uh, come out of from the passage. So firstly, comfort. How are we comforted by what Jesus tells us, this prayer that he gives each of us? Well, we are comforted first and foremost by the fact that we have a heavenly father. We have a heavenly father. This, then, is how you should pray. Know what Jesus says, not how you might pray, but how you should pray. This is a command. This is how you should pray. What's the most important thing? That you pray to your heavenly father, our heavenly father. Knowing who God is, is the place to start. Uh, on that first Sunday, we thought about a little girl with her daddy. That she loved to be tucked in by him every night. She loves that. She doesn't want to go to bed by herself. She said, oh, tuck me in, daddy, tuck me in. Read me a story, daddy, read me a story. Turn the light out, daddy. She wants to see his face last before the light goes out. Why? Because he's comforting. She's about to go to sleep. She's about to kind of surrender herself and she just wants to know her daddy's around. And then when, well, before the sun rises and she wakes up, where does she go? She runs into his room. Daddy, 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 wake up. She bounces on the bed. I want to be with you. I want to see you. I want to share with you what I'm doing. I want to know what you think of what I'm doing. Why? Because the world is big and scary. And she wants to know her dad's comfort, comforted by his presence, reassured by his love for her and his provision for her. Because if she needs something, who's she going to turn to? Who's on her team? What an amazing thing that Jesus tells us right at the beginning of this prayer. That the God of the universe, the God who made everything, your father, is your father. He's on your team. He's on your side. He wants your blessing. He wants to be with you. He wants to hear you speak to him. Think about all the cool things that God can listen to in the universe. And he says, oh, talk to me. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you want. Talk to me. Incredible. What a comfort. The God who truly loves us. He wants our joy. Isn't that a comforting thought? That he wants to hear you this morning, not because you are special, but because of his love for us, that he is our heavenly father. He's our father. He loves us that much. And then that he's our heavenly father. That's the second bit of that. Our father in heaven. Now, we all have, have had different relationships with our earthly fathers. Some very positive, some middling, 
some are very difficult. But even the best have their limits because our earthly dad can't always be there for us, can't always keep his promises, he can't always protect us. That's one of the worst things about being an earthly dad, I think, that I cannot always protect. I cannot. But with a heavenly father, he's always present, he's always faithful, he's always powerful. There's that kid's song. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. My dad is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There is nothing he cannot do to provide for you. Nothing he cannot do because he sent Jesus. He is committed to you utterly, and he is the one who rules the universe. Our Father in heaven. Is that comforting? Yes! And not only is he our heavenly father, what does he promise to do? What does he ask us to ask him? In that second half of the prayer, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. He's saying, bring me all of your needs. Talk to me about everything you need. Your physical needs, daily bread. Spiritual needs, forgiveness of sin. Total delivery from evil which hits us in every way from its presence and its effects. Comfort that our Heavenly Father will provide because he will provide and meet our every need. Have you ever wondered why you find it hard sometimes to give stuff away? There's lots of different reasons, but maybe one part of it is you think, I have to have this resource. I have to have this money, this status, this thing, because I have to meet my own needs. My success and my happiness and my security, they rest on me and on this thing. And how could I ever give it away? Because it would endanger my future, wouldn't it? What does the Lord's Prayer remind us? Everything we have, even the bread that you eat today, where does it come from? Our Heavenly Father, our God, our God in heaven. Now questions remain, of course about details, and we look at people who suffer and struggle, Christians who don't have what they need, it would seem. That's not easy. This is not a straightforward, simplistic promise. But we will never truly lack, because we have a heavenly Father. In the first circle, we also looked at the end of Revelation, chapters 21 and 22, looking ahead to the new heavens and the new earth. What did we see there? We saw the Lord's Prayer Answered. Answered. In every way. A heavenly father with his people? Check. Provision? Check. Safety? Check. No more sin? Check. Do you remember the no mores? No more death. No more mourning. No more crying. No more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Whenever that day comes, our father... Our Father, your Father and mine, is answering every time that we've ever prayed this prayer. Do you get that? When the new heavens and the new earth comes, our Father is saying, yes, now is a time where I fully answer every time you've ever prayed this prayer. Every time. Every time any believer through history has prayed this prayer, he says, yes, and amen, in Jesus who has come. Our every need will be met because we have a Father in heaven. Why would he not? How could he not? He loves us. 
What a comfort. What a comfort as we look around this room today. Because our hope is not in each other. All right? I look around the room, I see lots of uh, lovely, talented, skillful, great people. But our hope is not in one another. That is not our hope. It's not, definitely not in the stuff we've set aside for a rainy day. It's not on our status or our things. Our hope, our only hope, is that we have a heavenly father. A God who sent his one and only son into the world to save us. And what a joy it is to sit together as God's people. People purchased with the blood of Christ. That means everyone around you who is a Christian is God's child. And so they are indescribably precious. They might not feel precious, but they are. And you are. Anyone in Christ, you have a heavenly father who loves you. And that's a comfort as we think about those we love around us who we wish we could protect them, right? People next to you think, I wish I could always be there for them. I wish I could meet their every need, and I know that I can't. But what a comfort that we might be able to commit them to our heavenly father and say, Lord, you go before them, please. We have a heavenly father who meets our every need. Comfort. Another moment's pause before we move on. Thank you. Comfort. Now on to discomfort. Maybe some of you are using that silence to think, oh, I'm probably going to be undone now, all that comfort, with the second bit of discomfort. But I hope you'll be pleased to know that isn't the case. This discomfort doesn't come against the comfort, but it flows out of it. Paradoxically, it flows out of the comfort. Because this discomfort is not addressed to all of us. It is addressed to our sinful nature the old person, the part of us that never wants to pray this prayer, the part of us that would rather we get the honor, the part of us that wants to provide for ourselves and be a strong, independent person, that part that doesn't want God, the discomfort comes at that part. How do we see discomfort? Well, as we thought before, the Lord's Prayer is a series of requests. It's just like a shopping list. Apart from the address, our Father in heaven, it's basically a series of asks. What are the first three? You can see them there. There's this pack of three. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. And they're bound up with this uh, summary line, on earth as in heaven. So all of these things, your name would be hallowed on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom will come, your will would be done, both of them, on earth as in heaven. And what did we see there? We saw that there, our Father's honor is our greatest need. It comes before our need for food or even forgiveness. Our Father's honor is our greatest need. What does that mean? It's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about you. It's not about me. Have you ever heard someone say, got to look after number one? You can say, yeah, that's right. 
Who's number one? Who is number one? That's our father, isn't it? Who else could it be? We look after number one, or rather we seek the glory of number one. Jesus tells us it's him, not us. Our father's honor is our greatest need, and that's a discomforting thought to our sinful nature, the old us, because we want it to be our honor. We would never say that, but we want it. Not only that, but we saw that our father's family forgives. That's in the prayer itself. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven. Past tense, our debtors. And then the bit straight after, Jesus lays it out for us if we hadn't already got it. Verse 14, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Our father's family, Jesus says, forgives. Now, I am planning to come back to that idea of forgiveness another time. There were lots of really helpful questions raised the last time we went through it, and that will be later on in the term. But just to say for now, it's hard, isn't it? At base level, don't we feel that in our guts? Oh, to forgive? When someone has really hurt us, to forgive? It takes great emotional and mental and spiritual courage to say to someone, I forgive you. Or in their absence to say before God, I forgive them, Lord. And part of us, wouldn't it rather not do that? Wouldn't it rather hold on to the bitterness? But Jesus commands us, and that is uncomfortable. One other area of discomfort, that last section, verses 16 to 18. It does not begin if you fast. It begins when you fast. When you go without food, when you are without for a time. Again, uh, there are lots of questions on that, and um, these sermons are available uh, on all the uh, major podcast uh, platforms. Uh, You might even push us into the double figures of listeners if you uh, go on there. It's really interesting when you fast. If you were here, you might remember me having a, a brief hypothetical conversation with my stomach, which ended up with my stomach telling the basic truth why I don't want to fast. Because I don't want to. I don't want to deny myself. Why would I want to do that? Why would I not instead have everything I wanted? I'm hungry, I'll eat. I don't want to. Self-denial, that's not comfortable, is it? Not only in the area of food, in every way. It's hard for me, can I say that? It's hard for me as I look forward into the series in Acts. When we look at what the early church did, Because the first Christians in the book of Acts, they denied themselves. Big time. They denied themselves. And that is a discomforting thought to my sinful nature. Am I ready to do that? When push comes to shove, am I going to do that? As I start to listen to God's word more and more on this, as we focus on it as a church, as individuals, as a group, Because part of us will not want to. As we come into the book of Acts, part of us will think, no thanks. That was them, we're different. But it flows out of the fact that God is our heavenly father, whose will is to be done, not least of all, by his people. And it's not just for us, because it does link to that third circle of our father's world. The gospel message is deeply challenging, right? You know that. If you've ever tried to share it with anyone, you think, whoa, this is hard. This is hard. Because it's basically death to self, life to Christ. 
sure, loads of blessing, but it's a hard message. We cannot hope to challenge the world with a gospel if we have not been challenged by it ourselves. Let me put it more bluntly, if I may, friends. If we, as Christchurch Harpenden, are living hypocritically, let's not bother with outreach. Let's not bother. Because can't people smell insincerity? Isn't it the thing that some of our friends say most puts them off Christian things? Hypocrisy by the church. By Christians they've met. We need to heed the uncomfortable challenges that God gives us in his word. Look, and if we get to the end of the second circle and we think, oh, we just haven't really taken this on board, we're not going into the third one. Why? What are we taking? Let's first heed the message. Discomforting. What do we do if we find something hard that we really struggle with? Let's be open about it. Let's be honest about it. Firstly, with whom? We have a Father in heaven. Lord, this is difficult. I don't know how. I don't know why. I don't know if I could. And we can also be honest with each other. I, f- I find this hard. Will you pray with me in your small group? Week by week, I need your prayer every week. This is my prayer request for the next term. And it might, of course, come back ultimately to our relationship with our Heavenly Father in the first place. I can't give this away because I don't really believe that my Father will provide for me. Not really. In theory, but not in practice. The gospel, the Lord's prayer, is a discomfort to the parts of us that are not living God's way. We'll move on to comfort in one moment. But again, let me give you a moment of silence to reflect. Thank you. We have a heavenly father who meets our every need. And the challenge, the discomfort of that is that our father's honor is our greatest need. And we are to be those as his people who forgive and who deny ourselves. How does that flow back into comfort? Doesn't that just feel like a really negative note to finish on? Well, it flows into a comfort that's far deeper and and, and is permanent, long-lasting, compared to the short-term, short-term discomfort, light and momentary troubles, the Bible says. How is it comforting to do these things? Because we will be living for a cause that is better than us. We will be living for something that's bigger than little old me. As individuals and as a church family, we will be living for someone who loves us deeply who is the most beautiful and most praiseworthy and most delightful person in the universe. Why does it feel good to sing those words we sang earlier? Name above all names. Worthy of all praise. Because deep down we want someone who we can worship with everything we have. And deep down, really deep down, we know it's not us. I'm not worth it. I'm not worth that. It's not that I'm insignificant. It's not that we don't matter, but we are not 
the one on the throne, and we never should be. And if you were put there, you'd feel deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> this is not my place. But I want someone who can sit on that throne. I want to worship the Lamb, who is our light. That is comfort. Knowing that you're living for the right person. You've got the right person on the throne, and therefore everything else will work out okay. Better than okay. And it's a comfort as we reach out to our Father's world. Because what do we reach out with? Our own hospitality? Oh, look at our warm space. That's what you need to know. Or come to our church service. The music's good. Or the chairs all face the same way. Or, or whatever we think is good about our church. Do we reach out with that? Or our map? Nice map. No. We say, did you know that there is a God who made you? And he loves you right now. And he sent his son to die for you. And your son is ready to become your Lord and Savior right now. And, and to begin praying for you now and for eternity. Did you know that, friend? What a great thing to reach out with. To our neighbors and our colleagues. Of a renewed, restored relationship. Resplendent in its beauty with a king of kings. And of a heavenly father. Who unlike their earthly father will never leave them. Will never forsake them. A dad who cares more than even they can understand. A comfort in the decisions we make for God. A comfort. Because if you live for yourself, your decisions, they could go either way. And they're going to fall over at some point. But when you make a decision for God, when you deny yourself for God, when you make a decision for your children, and let's be really blunt about that, we do deny for our children's sake. By bringing them to church, we deny them. Don't we? They could be doing other stuff by the things we share with them at home and all that we don't share with them at home. We, we make decisions on their behalf. We deny for them until they're old enough or they grow up and they gradually take on more and more of that responsibility for themselves. And we might feel guilty about that, but we don't need to when we do it with our Father's wisdom because God is no one's debtor. God is no one's debtor. It will be worth it. Every decision you make for Christ and his kingdom, it is worth it. Every decision you make for Christ and his kingdom for your children, it is worth it. Every decision we make together, it is worth it. Isn't that comforting? That it won't go wrong? We might have to course correction a little bit, but it won't go wrong. We have hope. Hope of that future. And we'll be more at peace in the meantime. Because maybe as you thought about that discomfort, God's been saying, that's why you're uncomfortable in your Christian life. Because you're living two lives. You sing on a Sunday, but you sink in the week. And I don't mean emotionally. I mean in terms of obedience, of integrity. What a comfort it would be to live knowing that, actually, I do live with integrity. I'm not perfect. And that's why I pray, forgive me our debts. I pray that every day, because I'm not perfect. But the fact that I pray that and mean it, and that it changes my life, I can have integrity to share the gospel with someone else and say, I'm not great, but he is. Just one more thing. It's comfort for growth. Because I appreciate this is a challenging sermon. It's a challenging passage, isn't it? And maybe the thought of pressing on and growing just feels exhausting. <laughs> you kind of crawled out of Christmas. <laughs> Get that feeling? You look around, you haven't, you haven't packed away the stuff yet, whatever it might be, you think, oh, January already. 
And the talk of growth, of change, like, feels incredibly badly timed. <laughs> and of course, I don't know everyone's individual situation. And life is tiring, and it's stressful, and it's difficult, and who knows what hardships this year will bring. But what about, friends? What about growth in joy? What about growth in lightness of being? What about growth in sleep? Because we lie down in our Father's care. In contentment, in peace, in the love of Christ. Secure in his gift to you of Jesus. Of your forgiveness of debts, now and forever. Of life with the Father, of the Holy Spirit in your heart. Imagine looking forward to Christmas this year, if the Lord spares us. Imagine waking up measurably happier than last year because of God's work in your life. Imagine that. That's on offer. Just a small thing, but imagine that. That you had grown in joy and love and contentment. And that you'd come to church thinking, yes, I'm more part of this church, which is itself more the beautiful bride of Christ that one day we will be. Growing in beauty together. And to have a church where, I just love my friend to come along, because I know they'll be looked after. They might not agree with anything that's actually said from the front. But they'll think, yeah, I'll come next week. They'll feel valued because they feel the love of the Father expressed and rejoiced in. And they think, there's someone here. There's someone here. I don't know him yet, but oh, I hope he's there because I want to know him too. Comfort. Comfort. Well, as you musicians come up, one more moment of quiet to reflect. Heavenly Father, thank you for the time we've been able to spend in these verses. We pray we would know you more. Please help us with the things you've laid on our hearts. We pray that they would go somewhere into prayer, into conversation with one another afterwards in heartfelt worship. And we pray now as we sing that we would turn our eyes upon Jesus, the truly beautiful and worthy one. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.